<laughs> yeah. What are dad's cookies? So, yeah, I don't know if we have those here. It's like a brand. It's so you would know it. It's 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 plentiful up here in Canada. There's and they're like they're very old school. So it's like a yellow brand with the red writing, which seems to be a very like food-based color scheme. And yeah, very crunchy. Cause before we started recording, you're talking, okay, cookie wise, are we going soft or crunchy? So dad's cookies, I prefer a crunchy, but mm. if I were to go to a bakery right now, I would definitely like fresh out of the oven, chewy, yeah. soft cookies. Yeah. yeah where the, <laughs> the chocolate chips are like melted already. Like melting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> hmm. What was my other question? have to do with the shirt what about shirts soft or crunchy <laughs> yeah right you ever have a you know what i'm talking about like a shirt that's yeah. like a little too stiff <laughs> a little stiff yeah it's been in the backpack for a while you put it on yeah for sure i've had that before that was like you know when uh when i was working before i would always just have my whatever change of clothes jammed in my my backpack yeah there, there were some crunchy shirts in that case for sure yeah yeah definitely what a way to start a, a podcast conversation yeah. right yeah i like it i like it good to see you again man yeah same good to see you too it's uh it's been a couple of months since we've had a a proper conversation i think that was yeah. when we recorded your podcast that's right yeah you were out of the lake coast i think yeah i want to say yeah yeah we did a um yeah that's actually up in my um one of my lessons, like a bonus lesson was like the importance oh, for, of adventure for, your course, right? for my course. Yeah. So that's, that's, that lives in there now. So yeah, that was a really good uh, conversation. I enjoyed that. Cool. So you're the, so your uh, clients, the people who get to go through that, get to experience me. I appreciate that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty cool. Yes. It is cool. It's really do I, cool. Do I get royalties for that? Yeah, you know, I think when you were asleep, I made you sign the uh, the royalty free uh, agreement. Yeah, I snuck in there, and yeah, your, so your signature is on the paper. I mean, we'll, okay. we'll see, we'll see what we could do. Does it say Matt G in this? <laughs> it does right. actually. Yeah, yeah. Passable. Enough. That's yeah, passable. That's it. Yeah. What, uh, so catch me up, man. What's what's been happening since uh, since we last spoke? What's been exciting? Yeah, yeah you know. So I just came out of. Um, we had what started as a sober October. Uh, there's my cat trout, uh, a sober October, uh, month that turned into a five month group. So the, the core group that really enjoyed going through sober October, we continued on for what we called expansion 61. So that was November, December. And then, uh, we did a dry January thing with a few other folks that joined and then dry February right after. So what ended up as, or what started as a one month thing turned into the better part of a half a year journey for uh, the core group that I was with. And yeah, it was a really wonderful experience for all. And, you know, from my perspective, just being able to do like weekly group calls, facilitate those, do the one-on-one -on -one story work coaching. Mm. And uh, yeah. So, and then since then, um, you know, the first couple of weeks of March felt very uh, um, open and, um, yeah, I wouldn't say empty, but just different, you know, uh, different for me. Uh, at first there was like the first five days of like, I miss my group mm. and, uh, you know, so, but yeah, that was really exciting, very fulfilling. And I just joined, uh, Dr. Matt Shiver's, 
um, mastermind, the growth accelerator. So that was what has replaced my energy of doing the group, uh, has been, uh, doing just, yeah, just putting, uh, a lot more into my behind the scenes stuff. Uh, anybody that knows Dr. Matt, he's very systemized. So, uh, it really gave me a good overhaul of how I'm, you know, showing up as a, you know, for my business and, mm. um, you know, a lot of measurables. And so feeling a lot more confident and competent with that. Uh, I just started my second year full-time this past February. So, uh, and signed on with Dr. Matt for a full year. So I'm feeling very um, excited about the next year. My year two is entirely in his, uh, his mastermind that he has going on. So feeling very, uh, very excited to see what happens uh, coming from, you know, for the next year. What are you, what are you most excited about in the next yeah. year? The next year? Um, I would say just anything that's like, yeah, I would say it's more of like the intangible for me. I'm excited about, so my first year I was, I had a lot of like, you know, tangible successes. I could look back and go, okay, I, I checked a lot of boxes, but I didn't necessarily enjoy how I was doing it. You know what I mean? So for this year, I'm a lot more focused on, and what I'm excited about is figuring out a way to enjoy the process as opposed to just enjoying intermittent crossing things off a to-do yeah. list. You know what I mean? So that, yeah, that would be my, my number one thing I'm excited and focused on is more the intangible, how I'm experiencing mm. versus what I'm experiencing. That's a, a really um, consistent topic that's been, that I've been hearing and talking about too. And what that, I mean, what comes to mind is in the beginning, it's, it's more chaotic because you're still sort of figuring things out and uh, you're actually chasing the tangible results because, you know, those are nice. I imagine part of that is like income and clients that you get to work with and coach and, um, any other things that you set out for like achievement wise. So that feels good. Um, but since it's the first time you're sort of uh, figuring it, everything out and working out the kinks, which can feel uh, dissonant at times, it can feel stressful, difficult mm. too. Uh, and so I imagine like now that you have some of the kinks worked out, you know, what does work, what doesn't work. And, and also you're getting some support, you can focus on the balance, the integration with your own life. And that's where the intangibles come in. Right. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Very, very, very good summary. Yeah. That's, that's exactly, exactly right. There was definitely some chaotic, uh, you know, and I, you know, I went through like the strong coach program that first four months that I, I started full time. And that really gave me that clarity kickstart yeah. kick right uh, um and uh yeah i definitely like towards the end of the year um you know i was reflecting back on everything that i had uh had done and yeah there was it was like actually when i when i tallied everything up yeah there was quite a bit of uh like achievements i guess you could say right uh, like how many podcasts i had mm. been on how many i had published myself how many clients i'd had how many web you know all this different stuff so it was it was great to reflect back on it but honestly, dude, I was like at the end of the, the year, I took off that final week of December uh, from doing calls or anything and the whole month off of doing podcasts because mm -hmm. I 
yeah, I wasn't enjoying it, you know? And I'm like, well, this is, mm. yeah, you know, this is something with me. So there's definitely, um, yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that's priority. Number one, right. <laughs> is, uh, is getting this the schedule down. And so I can actually, mm. um, you know, enjoy it and like, but yeah, for sure. The way you summarize it is perfectly. Yeah. And for anyone listening, who is like, um, in, in a similar position where, you know, we can call it uh burnout in a way, like you get to a feeling where you, uh, like you might have the accolades and some achievement and some success. And also you feel sort of done <laughs> and you're, yeah. you're like, yeah. I, all right, I, I want to take a break now. And this isn't fun anymore. Uh, you create a lot of pressure for yourself at the same time. Uh, for people there, um, what I what I notice sometimes in the very early stages of entrepreneurship, especially going out on your own for the first time or trying to do certain things by yourself, you have these expectations of wanting to uh, have it all, you know, <laughs> because you have this this big vision of what it's going to be like on the other side, and that other side being like working for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that vision is the the success from the professional side, whether that's financial or um, just you know production wise output. And then also you have this vision of the freedom that you're you're gonna have. Uh, and you sometimes negation acknowledged don't realize how much goes into it. One, and then also there's like a learning curve, like you're new at this. Yeah. And eventually yeah. you're going to get good. Like, you know, when you first started playing guitar, Matt, were you mm-hmm. a little clunky mm-hmm. or were you jamming and rocking out and like hitting guitar mm-hmm. solos? Like, no, not, no, <laughs> not. Yeah. It was, it was clunky. It was, you know, that uh, if you ever play that, remember the rock band, that game from back in the day, you hear like the, buck, buck, yeah. like the chicken pick and hit miss <laughs> notes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's like. Right. For sure. For sure. And so like, yeah. rhythm, rhythm comes to mind. Like you got to find your, your rhythm. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. The music analogy. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. And the other, I guess to, to, to continue on with the music analogy, like for me, when I was just practicing by myself, uh, you know, there'd be a certain way I practice. And then when I would start, uh, you know, I guess testing what I've learned or integrating with others, I got so exponentially better, so much quicker. And I think that has a lot to do with, um, you know, getting the ideas out of my head and having a group that I can test in real time, just go, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I got all this in my head and now I'm getting it reflected back to me, what's working, what's not working and such. So that's what was so important for me to get yeah. a, a group that is like the difference between practicing guitar in your living room and actually practicing with a drummer and another guitar player and figuring out, you know, how that whole interaction mm-hmm. works. And man, I got, you know, got better so much quicker jamming with people uh, both in music and in, I guess, in business, if we're going to keep it with that analogy. <laughs> well, we're, we're really touching on the uh, value and the power of, um, of a mastermind. Um, and there's a like a legitimate definition to a mastermind. Like you're getting people together who have common knowledge and also specific skill sets that can complement and support each other. And they work together to, so that everyone can get better. Right. You put the right people together, just like you put the right band members together and you're going to make a beautiful song individually. Um, When when you're alone, though, 
and maybe, and I'm sure you can relate to this. You just described a little bit of it when you're alone, you're in an echo chamber with yourself Mm -hmm. and you don't, your feedback loop is, is biased. So when you bring other people in, into your circle or into a mastermind container, um, there's way less bias. Like the, if anything, the bias is just toward improvement versus hate, like validation. Yeah. When you're Ooh, by yourself, you're, you're like looking for, you're looking for a confirmation bias, like validation mm-hmm. that your thing is the right thing and the way right. you're practicing and the way you're doing it. Right. Does Absolutely. That, does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah, when you're saying that, I was like, ooh, that definitely lands, you know. And it is, it's important to I mean, there's so much, you know, self-development books and studies about this type of thing is like who you surround yourself with is you're gonna be a sum of their, you know, energy or influence to a degree as well. Right. So like you as you mentioned, just to piggyback on what you mentioned, as far as being in a group of similar minded people with similar aspirations. Um, you know, and like you say, the bias would be more so for just finding tangible and intangible ways to succeed and collaborating on that and jamming on that. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. There's negation acknowledged no choice, but to, you know, it's like the, the, the high tide raises all ships. So it's really cool to be part of an energy like that. That is, uh, and you know what? And there's like so many people in just different uh, stages of their growth too. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it reminds me of, you know, like, uh, for anybody that's listening, I do like sober coaching and recovery coaching. So it reminds me of being in those rooms in a sense where, uh, you hear your story sometimes, uh, or a portion of it in somebody else's story. Like, so I'm hearing people that are just starting out that yeah. remind me of where I was a year ago. And I'm like, Oh wow. You know, and it, so it helps reflect that to me. And then I have, but what I believe something that's worthwhile to tell them or, or suggest to them if, if they care to, you know, to, to hear it. And, uh, and then vice versa, it's very uh, powerful and important to see somebody that's perhaps six months uh, up the road for me. And you know what I mean? And they have that, like they're, they have their porch light on, so to speak. And they're, they're mm-hmm. waiting for me to, to be able to, um you know, do that next leg and be like, okay, this, this person, this worked for this person. They're a couple months up the road for me. And, uh, yeah, it's so just having that whole spectrum of different, uh, layers and levels of progress and seeing it and everybody and hearing my story and theirs and vice versa. Mm. is uh, such a cool experience. I don't know if you ever talked about, um, and we've done a couple of podcasts together and had conversations. I don't know if you've ever shared your like why sobriety? Why, why did you get into recovery coaching? Yeah. What's your, or what's your story with that? You know, was there, and I asked, I actually had a, I did another episode with uh, Chase Tollison earlier today. And I asked him a really nice. deep vibe question in the beginning. I was, cause I did some journaling today, but um, uh, people could go listen to that episode. Uh, but I asked him the question about um, like a, was there a moment where he had realized like if he doesn't change something right now, he's going to be going down a very dark path. Mm. Like, was there a moment like that for you, Matt? Was there an aha mm-hmm. moment that's turned you around and, and, you know, obviously brought you to where you are right now? Yeah, there sure is. Uh, there sure was. 
Uh, so I'm coming up on four years, alcohol-free April 8th. So I'm sure when this is going to drop this episode, um, I get the impression you're basically recording and, and releasing, so which is cool. So this coming up in a couple of weeks. Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Very yeah. cool. Okay. So April 8th, <laughs> four years alcohol-free. I had had a sober stint before that from 2012 to 2015. Um, you know, and believe that, uh, the self-development I had done was enough to, uh, enable me to become a normal drinker or moderation drinker, mm. uh, which I proved to myself over the next four years, uh, was not possible. Uh, no matter what moderation technique I tried, uh, 0% success rate. And, um, yes, actually my dad passed away uh, a couple of days before Christmas, 2018, he had retired a year previous. So he was 66. And, um, yeah, a big part of his identity, been a fireman for 35 years. And this is my interpretation of it. It was, you know, he lost a lot of his identity and his, uh, you know, he was, he's a hero, right? He's a, uh, he was a fireman and, and, um, he is drinking really picked up. He'd always been a, you know, I would say a daily drinker, but pretty damn close for his whole life. Started smoking cigarettes again, you know, which he had quit for about 20 years up to that point. And then, yeah, he, he passed away. And I knew I was on that, that same path, you know, uh, that's a whole generational thing was his dad, Irish, very stoic, have your drink after you've had your day at work, you know, come home and do that whole culture has been a big mm. part of that side of my family. And even on my mom's side, it showed up too, right. My uncle Paul was a daily drinker, passed away at like 50 something from, you know, complications due to, so I knew I was on that same stage, you know, the same road, so to speak. And, mm -hmm. um, I was 37 at the time and I was actually on my way out to my dad's celebration of life. Uh, this was the April 8th, 2019. And I just came out of this weekend where I was doing, you know, the, it was just a rough party weekend, right? Cocaine and uh, cigarettes and beer and this, all of it staying up till four in the morning, leaving the next day to drive home. Uh, home for me is Prince George. So it's about eight hours West of where I live right now in Edmonton. And halfway through, there's the Canadian Rockies, like literally like to the kilometer. It's uh, it's a mm -hmm. town called Jasper. It's a beautiful spot, Canadian Rockies. And I was driving through there and I just felt like, I'm like, what am I? Is this really uh, dark inner dialogue, suicidal ideation? And uh, finally, I was like, you know what? I'm This can stop with me. You know, I, I had this like spiritual 180, which I believe there was some kind of um, whether it's mm. my dad or, or something really touched me there because I went from the absolute lowest of lows to this spot of, um, gratitude and, uh, you know, mm. like a mission, essentially a North star statement. I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this for you, dad, you know, living tribute to you. The generational line of, of alcoholism stops with me. And then the rest of the drive, I was like, okay, I've done this before, you know, like really solutions based, uh, building it up, building myself up again. And then, yeah, there we go. Four years later, I, uh, you know, I've been, I've been doing that as far as getting a recovery coach. Um, you know, it was tricky, like going through that strong coach, uh, thing, you know, I, I don't know if you had the same thing, but I, you know, I just wanted to help everybody. Right. I was like, I just want to be a life coach. You know, I want to do story work for everybody, <sighs> you know, doing the Oprah Winfrey story work for you, story work for you, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and it's like, and I quickly realized, you know, it's like, okay, well, why don't you just pick something? It doesn't have like, you know, Mike Bledsoe always says it doesn't have to be the rest of your life. Just, it's like, you know, your foot in the door. It's something that you have yeah. life experience with. So I was like, you know what? I have a lot of life experience with drinking, uh, and recovery from that and, you know, various other addictions. And it's uh, been a big part of my own inner development. So I have a feeling mm -hmm. I'll be able to 
uh, really relate to people and speak their language in that sense. So uh, that's what I picked. And I've been doing that since uh, April. So uh, it took me a couple months to sort of pinpoint what I wanted to do. I was still very uncertain yeah. uh, which route I wanted to take. And uh, so April of last year, um, it was I, literally on my my sober birthday, I launched my podcast, Beyond Recovery, which is my story, just meet the host kind of deal, episode yeah. zero, if you will. And um, yeah, and then developed my program, Recovery Roadmap, and have been doing that for, again, coming up on a year. Um, and I think I've done six of the last nine months I've had uh, groups go through. And um, yeah, nice. it's been it's been a really cool thing. Marrying that in lifted method with addiction recovery is super mm -hmm. cool. Also shout out chopper Dave. I'm not sure if you had him on uh, yet. Um, he uh, he's sort of gifted me or uh, provided me with a starfish uh, recovery clinic uh, story work uh, contract that he had uh, that he had put together. So mm. he, he uh, which is very, very cool. So I've been doing that for the past three or four months as well. Uh, yeah, it's been a trip, man. It's been, it's been great. It, you, you hit on a, a few interesting threads that I would love to pull on. And one of them was like the fact that you had this moment of realization while you were driving, which tends to happen. Like you're in a long yeah. car ride and you got time to think Were you by your, you yeah. were by yourself. I imagine I was by myself. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and it, like, you're blessed with boredom. That's what the way I like to think about it. Like you mm -hmm. can only listen to, you listen to music, you listen to podcasts or whatever. Um, eventually you're like, oh, I'm just going to shut this off <laughs> because yeah. it gets, you get bored Yeah, and you, and you're also confined. And so your mind taps into a different like way of thinking it, and combine that with one of the most beautiful places in the world. <laughs> Mm -hmm. the mountains and uh the canadian rockies oh man uh, you got you got the perfect like um recipe for a spiritual awakening <laughs> yeah yeah i love that <laughs> i love that look on it yeah absolutely dude and it, you, to your point yeah, yeah just to, paint the, to confirm what you're saying yeah by myself by that time i had long since turned off the radio what i ended up doing actually was grabbing my cell phone and just like trying to verbalize, I felt very empty, ah. stuck, right? Verbalizing some of them, just like whatever I have going on in me, I need to talk right now. So I was just, I voice recorded it. And uh, by the end of it, it was probably about 20 minutes of just like some mm. dark stuff, just getting the energy moving, right? And then as soon as I, I sealed that off, it was just like this profound, like 180, where I just felt like a completely different person. So uh, not necessarily the pen to paper journaling that we talk about, but very similar. You know what I mean? It's, it's essentially what I would have done brain dump wise. I was doing yeah. into my phone and what that, you know, created or, or made room for inside my body and my head and everything was, yeah, dude, it changed my life. Dude. If it's the first time that you're articulating something, you're, you're working through problems in your own mind and, and sort of self-correcting. This is, this is what makes story work so valuable in my opinion, because for the first time you're working through problems that you had buried mm -hmm. uh, and like it works writing down because you can look at it. That's a huge advantage. Sometimes the simple act of speaking without a filter helps mm. too. Yeah. In like you can talk yourself through something and then ultimately get to a positive result mm. 
even if like you don't have the 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 tools of language translation like you can just yeah. get you yeah. just move energy and you're like all right i'm gonna do something i don't know what it is yeah. yet yeah but, but you know these are the next steps i'm gonna take and it's gonna things are gonna be different from now on right yeah 100 percent. and then you can back- go and get the tools and like learn right which is i, I imagine absolutely. Is what you did yeah, very soon thereafter, like that was, I'd say a year and a half before I got into coaching. So there's still yeah. a little ways to go, but it was definitely the, you know, as soon as I removed the energy and the, uh, the substance itself, alcohol for my, my life, uh, so much opened up to me. You know, I, I got a morning routine right away. I got so much more consistent with everything I was doing, yeah. questioned what I was doing for work, for a job, for a career, which is when I decided to do the, the career pivot and such. It really was the linchpin to like everything that I'm doing now was that one, that one drive, mm. you know, and, you know, when you mentioned recipe for me too, was just having that like level of disturbedness with myself, right? Had I not had that, you know, 3am party weekend right before I left, you know, I probably would have just been meandering through the mountains enjoying it. Right. But I was just, I, I feel like I had to hit that. Mm. Uh, dark spot and that was definitely one of the ingredients of the recipe that you're talking about for sure was just that like okay you know i gotta i gotta change something here i i choose to change something you know i imagine it was uh there was guilt and there was and there was feelings of of shame and you know those suck Yeah, those are both like, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like you don't want to stay in that. And once you recognize, yeah. like, oh, I feel this because of this thing that I did or that mm-hmm. I habitually do, mm-hmm. that that coming into your like at the forefront of your mind into your awareness is uh, is is hard to ignore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, impossible to ignore. It was a. Uh, ultimatum time you know for myself mm. and just the way that i was showing up in the universe and everything it was it was uh the fork in the road right? you yeah. know quite quite literally you touched on another interesting concept which i actually not long before this call i, I recorded uh, a video on this exact topic and sent it to a to someone who i'm supporting uh, he's just starting a coaching business and He's having a hard time niching down and deciding mm. deciding um, who that ideal client is. Uh, and he has all these tools, you know, he has the um, the enlifted tools. He has, uh, he worked with Ryan Sprague, I believe in the mm. Connect with Cannabis program. I believe he has, he's a Czech practitioner. So he has wow. all yeah. of these new tools that he, and he knows and here's the here's the the thing like you know your stuff is good mm-hmm. like i know story work can be applied to 99% of the world's problems and probably heal it could probably heal them yeah and so with that in mind i'm like i want to help everyone and it sounds like that's where sort of where you were at um and that's you know okay I put this into three categories. Category one is like you're, you want to target the general population of people. If you have things that can help general population, um, you likely want to do that. You likely want to be of service to everyone. Mm -hmm. The problem is like this general population, while they might soft talk acknowledge, they might have Mm -hmm. these problems and you might be able to help 
the problem is they're not ready to be helped. Yeah. And so you can tell them all you want, but it's like in one ear out the other. Mm-hmm. And so with that in mind, wouldn't it be more valuable to speak to the 10% who is ready? Right. Yeah. And that comes down to language and communication specifically like speaking the language of the people you are trying to help mm. um, by, by getting to this one place, right? There, at some point, and, and this, is, this applies to, you know, every product and service in a way, like at some point you're ready to do something, to take action. Mm-hmm. And so you go looking for support like you did. You, you joined a mastermind, right? Right. Yeah. At some point in time, there's a specific moment. You want to capture people's attention in that moment, in that specific moment in time. And so ultimately, like choosing an ideal client is about choosing what's the specific moment in time that I can help people. Like, what are Mm. they, what is that person dealing with? You can get to demographics like men, 40 years old, uh, married, this income range, right? General demographics, but that only gets you so far. Right. Then you want to add the specific problems like, uh, you know, realize that their life is in hell and they're, they need to quit drinking now or else they're going to die. Right. That's one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But more specifically than that, how is that affecting them right now? Like today? Yeah, that's right. For you, like the example, like that moment was you sitting in the car. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you can see how like effective it can be to just zoom in. And then you realize like, oh, I don't need to help everyone. I need to help one person. Mm. Yeah. Very well put. One person. Absolutely. That that reminds me of just even the beginning of this conversation as far as what am I excited about. Mm. It's very much it's the difference between, yeah, like you say, selecting the tangible, the stats, the demographics. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I know my my age group of my demographic. I know, you know, the are the male, female, yada, yada. What you're getting into is that more of the intangible. What are they experiencing or what are they missing, perceiving that they're missing out on or what are they? Yeah. And that's ultimately, I think that is what to tap into a lot of times, yeah. right? Because um especially what what are the consequences too? consequences that that they're facing like they could be on the brink of uh divorce right no if they don't change right now then they're gonna lose their their marriage like that's a specific like turning point where it's like that's what you're targeting toward when you're identifying uh, like an ideal client and you can change that like anytime you don't have to do it forever yeah like no i decided it's this and that's who i'm gonna find and that's the misconception yeah 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 exactly (laughs) yeah yeah for me absolutely like the the uh yeah the the consequence part very much so like for me the way i look at it because i look at you know what my experience was is uh you know high functioning in a lot of ways everything else i was getting promoted Mm. at work you know my band was doing well you know i was married everything else was great right and then meanwhile it was almost like this countermeasure as, as everything else was, you know, on paper looking great. I was just getting further and further into this addiction. Right. And then that was what was helping me maintain 
you know, being able to justify or making excuses for it. I'm like, well, I got everything else's like, so certainly there's nothing. I'm not the guy in the mm. back alley that's got a brown paper bag and has lost everything. Meanwhile, I was on that, you know, on that path. So that's, that's what I look at. And you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people I say like the high functioning folks that are getting to that point where there's like going to be an ultimatum, whether that's from their partner life in general, their job, right. Mm -hmm. They could have this 15 year career that they're going to get sat down with one day be like, Hey, you got to change or you're out of here. Right. So finding yeah. like that, like it, consequences is a big word mm. for sure. There's an illusion when, when you are sort of like quote unquote high functioning, right? There's an illusion of control. Like the, there's an illusion that you have everything under control and you may feel as if, um, you're, you're good. Like there's not a problem because maybe right. there isn't a, a legit, like a problem um, until there's a tipping point, yeah. right? Until there's yeah. a point of realization or um, a, a specific moment where you realize you don't have control over this thing. It has control over you, mm. right? It's habitual yeah. and it's, it's yeah. just become so part of, you know, how you're showing up and how, who you are. I look at the things like that, like if I'm doing something that I actually is causing me shame, like I'm trying to hide it or mm -hmm. I'm trying to keep it. I don't want to talk about it. Like that's probably something that has control over me. Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> not, that's interesting. not the other way around. Like, yeah. like I like to, I like to smoke weed sometimes like, okay. Sure. And I used to not want my wife to like, know because I felt <laughs> shameful around it. Yeah. Um, and not because she'll judge me, but because it's like, um, I don't even know. I have no idea. Right. And, it, and I realized, like, why am I, uh, well, one, why am I hiding this? And once I even thought that, I'd stopped doing it as often. Interesting. <laughs> like, right? I just slowed yeah. down and I was like, oh, wait, I'm in control of this. I can do it mm. when I want to instead of yeah. like just going through this habit. Uh, yeah. So there's like a specific example. I imagine people listening are, doing some sh some shady shit they're hiding from their wives <laughs> right yeah yeah just calling everybody out yeah 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 well it's, it's funny too right or not funny but curious you know addiction is you know and i've had people in the groups that aren't it wasn't drinking it's like it's whatever the mechanics of addiction is is the same so there was like people with porn addiction mm. you know uh even like eating disorder which is a sort of a offshoot of an addiction in some way very much a limiting or yeah. like a control issue right so right. and you know having those folks in there and realizing that it's like that's the addiction and this is like a gabber mate thing the addiction is like secondary problem so initially of course there's the triage of getting that substance away from you or that addiction and but then the real work is why, why do you have that addictive behavior? What is your, and that's where the story work comes in so beautifully, right? Is like, why do you have this need to numb your feelings with alcohol? Like, is there something, is something, you know, and oftentimes, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, it gets traced back to like something that happened in your childhood, right? As <laughs> with most things, you know, a parent said something to you or an authority figure or just you know, however you were conditioned and, uh, it echoed into your adulthood and you found a way to, um, you know, for me, it was like initially, and I like what you mentioned, like, we'll jam on a little bit. It's like this idea that the addictive thing initially bridges the gap between what you think is like, what I thought was 
missing in my life. It allowed me, I was a very shy kid. So all of a sudden it allowed me to, you know, be my like quote unquote, my, thing. right. Right. And then, you know, fast forward seven years and I'm just, you know, being a, uh, you know, a dick at parties because I'm just overdoing it, you know, and it's, it's, again, it's controlling me at that point. Right. Or I'm just, it's, uh, I've jumped the shark, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, that initial honeymoon phase, if you can even call it that, you know, for the first couple of months or year or whatever that you use something like that. Um, and then it's like insidious. It just really starts, you know, taking over very slowly in the background before, you know, it. it's, it was on top mm -hmm. of me and, you know, and, and then still, like you said, there's all these tools that I had to justify it and, and continue on with it. There was definitely some hiding, right? I did a lot of drinking and uh, solo drinking. I would mm. go to a party and have a couple beers to give the perception that I didn't have a problem. And then I go home and be like, ah, now I can let my hair down and just like slam like 10 beers. You know what I mean? It's, you know, and that that's a fairly common story, you know, as well. So. So I heard you say something I want to pull on is uh, how it fills up. It initially begins as filling a void in, in some way. And it, what what came to mind is like you described a social, it was a social crutch, right? You used yeah. it to as like a way for you to feel more comfortable in a social situation, um, but then ended up relying on it, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious, is it useful to identify like what's, what's actually missing what's the what's the what's the void you're trying to fill or what's the problem that this thing is like solved at at the time for you when you first started exactly yeah and that's... and like and that's the the thing to work on essentially yeah like you want yeah. if you initially started drinking cuz you you wanted to be more social Okay. Well, let's work on social skills. <laughs> totally. Right? Totally. And honestly, like even before, even so that would be a good entry point. So even before that is like, why do I feel uncomfortable in social situations? So like yeah. I could figure a couple of things, you know, stories, uh, uh, growing up as far as like, you know, bullying or, or different things that happened, uh, you know, that, that contributed to that. And ultimately one step even beyond like social skills is, you know, self-worth, you know, I, I don't, I, for whatever reason, d didn't believe that what I was saying was worthwhile. So that's why I was sort of shy in the first place. Um, you know, so yeah, you could just keep tracking it back. And before you know it, there's going to be a core wound based on like a want yeah. or a need. Right. So be even beyond that social, you know, that social question, but absolutely. That's a great, great first identification right yeah and, and like obviously all things go back to that <laughs> all things totally, go back right? to yeah. like not having yeah. a certain need filled when you were like four yeah. years old and so <laughs> right and so you yeah. compensate by doing the opposite or showing up in, yeah. the, in like this other way right? that's like yeah. essentially the what shadow work is all about like digging yeah. into those those pieces that you're uh, afraid of ashamed of or make you feel horrible yeah exactly um, or unwanted yeah. or whatever it is and then oh, yeah sort of accepting that like forgiving yourself and accepting yourself for who you are right yeah dude so like that yeah this is interesting so i think the last eight months specifically i've really been like doing okay the layer like each layer going down and down and i i triangulated it to a fear of 
rejection. And then I fluctuated between like my core wound being fear of rejection or abandonment, you know, one of these two things. And what I actually came down with both those words, you know, I'd breathe into them. I'm like, okay. And then I'd say to myself, you're allowed to feel rejected, which is obviously not something that my body and my mind is used to hearing and just seeing how that flared up inside of me energetically. Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, what I was able to pinpoint it, because as soon as I was able to attach some stories to it, it's like a fear of being rejected, but like the physicality of being, the fear of being rejected in front of like a small group of people. Cause I remember specifically uh, a couple of times in elementary school or when I was on a baseball team, uh, something happened. Like I had a bat that had a sticker on it and everybody started making fun of the sticker. And uh, I was like nine or 10 or something like that. Maybe a little bit younger, somewhere in there. And um, I, my perception was that like the entire team and I was in the dugout was just like pointing and laughing at me. It was, you know, probably a couple of kids and they all joined, like a couple of kids joined in. Uh, but my perception was like all 10 of them turned on me and they were all pointing and laughing and I just started bawling. Right. So that like the physicality of being rejected, not so much like mm -hmm. behind the scenes, like, Oh, I wonder if that person likes me or whatnot. Of course that contributes to it, but the actual act of being physically rejected in a small ish group was like, I'm like, ah, as soon as I remembered that, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, there's something to that. So mm. um, I think there's something there, you know, as far as like what my my core wound and like why when I'm in a small group of people, I often like like fly, get flush, have a hard time like making eye contact with everybody. And then when I'm in a big group, it's fine, but it's just that like smaller groups. So, you know, that's the work that I've done on myself. As far as like what you were talking about, the social setting and such, there's definitely a fear of like, you know, if I was here with like nine other enlisted coaches, all of a sudden you guys would just turn on me and start laughing because I have a <laughs> whatever shirt on inside out, you know? So there's still something there that I'm, I'm, I'm working on for sure. Mm, thanks for sharing that story, man. Yeah. I, uh, I felt that for sure. And it brought me yeah. back to some times when I was a kid and I used to play baseball too. Mm. Um, briefly i think i think for like one spring season or something like that maybe maybe two oh man i remember um feeling sick one day and i was i was pitching and i i was on the mound and i was i was just i had a fever and i was just felt like totally drained and destroyed my body was like shutting down it was hot out <laughs> And I threw a pitch and it went like high, <laughs> you know, into the, yeah. to the gate. And like, it was the worst pitch ever. And then I literally, <laughs> I collapsed on the floor and I was like, fuck this. And yeah. I was like 11, 10 years old or something. And I'm yeah. like, fuck this, I'm done. And dude, the, the, the coach, coach in air quotes for those yeah. listening, I'm making air quotes right now. He comes over <laughs> and starts screaming at me. As if I had done something wrong and I'm like, oh, I can't even move right now. <laughs> I, I think like eventually I got up and just like, and left and my mom was there and she had a, she was having a fight with the, the other coach and like, wow. Like, why would you put him in when he's not feeling well? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but yeah. I remember this vividly. And I remember them arguing and, and like, everyone was like watching me, you know? And I'm like literally in the center of this the baseball diamond. Yeah, right. Oh and man, it's these moments that just like um, 
they leave a, a physical impression, right? This is somatic stuff. It leaves a physical yeah. impression on your body. Mm -hmm. um, tri and the, the trigger is like the memory of it. Like I'm thinking yeah. about it now. And I'm like, I remember the feeling that I had and hearing the voices of people, mm. you know? Oh man. It's, it's, it's when you can dig into these, like, seemingly insignificant stories they illuminate so much of why you behave how you behave now and who you are now yeah yeah absolutely i love what we have a we have so many similarities up to and including our you know initials and such <laughs> you also have a, ba a traumatic baseball story you know what i mean when you're traumatic 10, baseball yeah. story yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. what um, else what other trauma bonding can we share <laughs> yeah exactly right you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting stuff though, right? Anyway, the further you get into like the idea of like trauma is like perceived threat. And that's why it's, mm. you know, there's obviously, uh, you know, that's a loaded uh, statement, right? So perceived threat when you're four is obviously going to be a lot different than when you're 10 or 20, right? So just that idea, right? Because some things, you know, when I was doing an inventory of myself and my stories, it's easy to start comparing be like, well, that's not that bad. It wasn't like beaten or anything, but then I'm like, mm. well, hold on. Like me at the time that so was you minimized like, it. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's how it just keeps getting pushed back down. Right. And then more shame attached. Cause like, uh, or like no permission. I'm not allowed to feel that way. It's not justified. So, you know, as soon as I got into that stage and doing some like reverse psychology stuff on that energy, my body, uh, it was, has been, very powerful, like doing the, uh, like just telling myself I'm allowed to feel rejected. Mm -hmm. And then because before, whenever that would happen, I'd be like, I'd be so eager to push it down or distract myself out of feeling that way. So pro providing, it's almost like reparenting myself and just going, Hey, you're allowed mm -hmm. to feel rejected. It's, it's okay. Like yeah. it's, you're okay. You're, you're allowed to feel unsafe in my body. Like that's fine. You're like, and it just is, it's allowing that energy to surface and I can investigate it instead of just numbing it out or distracting myself or achieving, mm. you know, uh, my way through, um, you know, like you, I, I like what you mentioned. Ah, There's like achieving. that, right. That counter was it the pendulum swing where you're acting opposite of that thing that you've been trying to like yeah. run away from your whole life. And that's like, you're, you, you get stuck in that. And that's very much my pattern. The achiever pattern is that, pendulum swing so i don't get actively rejected in front of a small group i do this look what yeah. i've done look what i've got going on like look over here don't reject me right so mm -hmm. and that's again dude that's like i'm 41 and i'm like you know mm -hmm. what i mean i'm just <laughs> really doing this actually doing this work now so it's a it's a form of like what we can call overcompensation and it's it's so typical of of human beings to do in in a lot of different senses and not just in like dealing with your your shadow or your inner child or anything like that like compensating your behavioral patterns it it shows up in like oh you did something that didn't work very well in your business and so you do the complete opposite or you try really really hard next time and end up doing too much yeah right? yes like yeah. i've like I've, here's an example. Like I ran a, a program last year, last summer, and I had not been able to like make sales for a while. Like I couldn't mm. get a, a a sale for this program. And it was honestly a matter of like the offer and communicating it well and the value proposition. And I, I get that. Um, 
And so what I decided to do is, is decrease the price significantly and increase the, the output mm. significantly. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. lowered the price from like, like, like 4,500 bucks to like $1,500. I'm like, okay, I, that'd be cool. I'll sell 10 yeah. of them. It'll be great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I sold like four, which was cool. Um, but it was weekly one-on-ones plus weekly group calls plus Whoa. um like everyone like people got like done for you services too. Wow. And was like yeah. <laughs> and then I, I I get I get like toward the tail end of that and I realized like okay, so this was too little, this was too much. Mm. All right. What's yeah. the middle? What's like it's, the sort of middle yeah. ground? And we're constantly oscillating back and forth and back and forth. And ultimately, if you can just do that faster, mm. it's, it makes life a lot easier, right? It becomes more harmonious when there's uh, a faster vibration or more flow. Um, or you just get everything right the first time and live with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that yeah. too. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. we've all, I, I imagine like we've done that. You've done that too. Like where you're, yeah. you're just compensating and trying to deliver or mm-hmm. um, trying to fill a gap, but you just go a little too far. Yeah. And you, you oh. pay the price in a way you, you learn, you learn something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That resonates a lot. I think a lot of that is like, even in just personal development coaching too, is like, there's the initial, like, after you illuminate, like you're talking about shadow work, okay, we've identified the problem. What is the initial thing you're going to do? Well, I'm going to do the exact opposite, right? Or like, if you're uh, unhappy with the way you were parented, you're like, I'm never going to be like my dad, right? And then you do too yeah. much the, op- the opposite way. And then your, your parenting suffers as a result. It's so very, finding, uh, it's very like polar, polarized. Polar, right, right. Yeah. So oftentimes it's like, okay, it's cool. It's like in acting, I think they say, you know, like, go super far as dramatic as you can be go like monotone intentionally and then like you, you kind of have those polar polar opposites and then where stylistically uh can you like dial it in in the spectrum in that gray area in the middle where it's going to have that nice balance of the two mm. i have one funny story about the uh the overcompensation that happened a lot in uh my previous job like it was working at a grocery store so i was bakery manager for six years so i'd you know, go on vacation and come back and, and there'd be like an item that ran out once. So then the people would order three cases of it. And it's like frozen product. I'd be like, wait, you ran out once. You can still sort it. Like we can order it three times a week, but it was just like, oh, we ran out of it once. I'm just like, we're never going to run out of it again. I'm going to order like five cases. And I'm like, mm. now we're going to take like six months to go through all this when you could have just, you know what I mean? So it's just that classic. It is, it's fairly um, impulsive or uh, something yeah. along those lines. Like, common human behavior right well you got to find the sweet spot you know yeah yes. it goes back to where we started this conversation too when you talked about um your first year in business on your own and there was a lot of like uh achievement but not feeling quite um like it, like it was the right timing and rhythm and like you get it um and then now to to now okay you're focusing on making it integrated with your personal life and making sure things work and flow and finding that sweet spot, finding how you can balance it. And, and I personally hate the word balance because people Mm. like, I hear it all the time, especially with the people I work with because they tend to be in a stage in their business where they are overworked and burnt out. 
And so yeah. they're, they come and they say something like, yeah, I really am looking for, or I, I need more, or I'm, I don't have good work life balance. And so I asked them like what that means. And it's hard to describe. And um, oftentimes it's a matter of like setting boundaries and having time to yourself and prioritizing self-care and also, yeah, taking some vacations. Uh, but that's not really balance because what, when I think of balance, I imagine a scale, mm-hmm. right? And that means that you can give more to one than the other. That means that you, you're taking away from one thing to feed the other. Mm. And is that really um, useful? I, I think at times it is. I think at times you need to prioritize certain things like prioritize organization of your business for a certain period of time so that you can then prioritize your personal life. Right. So there's a, there's a a good value of balance there. Yeah. Um, I do personally prefer the word integration. So we, uh, sort of, we, we come to this realization that, um, there's no difference between our work and our life and mm. whatever that goes into those things especially as a as an entrepreneur especially as a solo entrepreneur mm. right yeah if if you separate um all the time um it makes it really hard to like go back to from one to the other and you end up like on a vacation and you can't get your mind off of work or yeah. you're, you're, you're like in the middle of like back-to-back calls or re- reaching out to people and doing work. And you're like, oh man, I really wish I could be outside right now. Mm. Instead, you know, find, you can find ways to balance, to create um, like uh, harmony, right? That's another way of thinking about it. Harmony yeah. between the two. Um, my friend, Ben, Ben Walker, he, he uses the uh, office of the day hashtag all the time and he's like yes getting outside and taking calls from like these beautiful places like that's that's like one aspect of it yeah Um, what i like to teach and help people come to is like instead of thinking of your work or your time more specifically your time in terms of days and weeks um think about it in terms of like um what's a good word for this like a more of a more of like a rhythm like imagine you're playing music and you're changing the uh the time stamp like instead mm. of operating in in four four you switch to six eight right mm-hmm. so now we're at a little bit of a different pattern yeah so yeah. you don't need to follow the seven days a week thing you know yeah you can yeah and even your day can be different like you can organize yeah. the day so that you have this different rhythm now this is how i like to think about it and uh, with that in mind, you can change it as, as you see fit, whatever feels good. Like, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love that. I like on that. <laughs> riffing on that. Yeah. I, I, I love it. It seems like our, our conversations, uh, well, the last two anyways, have very much taken on, uh, you know, uh, yeah, those musical analogies or just art, art, uh, mm. you know, integrating just the whole, like the concept of art, uh, entering like the business world, which I think is super cool. And yeah, I, I do. I love that. I, um, again, getting back to like my achiever pattern, like it was a carryover from my previous job, which was very much just like the consistency, like the day mm-hmm. needs to have a certain amount of, you know, checkpoints throughout it. And for me to, uh, 
feel like I've uh, been accomplished by the end of the day. And now yeah. I'm finding that there's a desire if I'm truly listening to myself, uh, getting out of the yang, you know, achiever patterns and getting more into yin and meditation and going outside and having a walk or whatnot and listening to what my body want, wants. It likes, it's craving more of like a big, open, immersive chunk of time, like almost approaching it as, um, you know, one week would be content creation, mm. uh, you know, that sort of thing. Instead of this like installment plan of like, you know, Monday through Thursday is all my calls, you know, Friday's a flex day that ends up being at midday. Cause I'm catching up on everything in min, yeah. uh, Saturday is my protected family day, you know, and then Sunday is like ramping up, uh, to it's honestly like I, uh, that's what I mean when I, when I guess specific about what it was sort of missing is I just, I, uh, I'm very, I, you know, um, thankful for the work ethic that I had and I developed throughout my, you know, my, mm. my whole life. So I, I definitely don't feel like, um, uh, resentful to it. At one point I did, mm. uh, but having said that though, if we want to, if I want to use like that artistic side of things, that's what I'm really craving. If I'm really listening to it, I just, again, when you're talking integration, I haven't figured out a way quite yet to. Mm. what that looks like whether it's like a work month is one week is like creation week like where i can be as creative as i want mm. just if you get what i mean like more like open space yeah. to compose say like a prog or like a classical 26 mm -hmm. minute composition versus these three minute yeah. pop punk songs all the time if you know what i mean yeah yeah totally and and i, I hear what you're saying and it totally can um it can be whatever you want it to be and that's the cool part is like what works best for you right now and you can oscillate between like having some consistency and this like really set rigid structure versus having total freedom i actually haven't gotten to the point yet where i'm like okay with total openness and freedom and i i would mm -hmm. like to um the only reason i haven't yet is because i have a young child and mm -hmm. he requires some attention but i I have this uh, vision of myself just taking a couple of weeks and being totally free in the mountains and only bringing a journal or something like that. I don't know. Um, see what happens. Uh, and then also like scheduling time, like, okay, during this week, I used to do this with the podcast. Like I would only record uh, for two weeks and then I would have enough content for like a couple of months. Uh that worked, that worked fairly well for that. Um, now I think about it this way, like we have blocked time and block time. You can use sort of however you want it, but there are things you want to get done. Um, but on let's, let's take like a certain day, for example, there's days where I do like back to back to back to back calls. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I've learned that in order for me to do that well, some of them need to be phone calls that I can take while I'm out for a walk. Oh, okay. Um, I've also noticed that things like uh, if I'm on a coaching call, those are the best days for me to also do a sales call because I, because it builds up my self-worth and my confidence. Yeah. And so smart. I'm smart. And, and those are also like good days to have like great, like go and meet family because yeah. Like I can go and hang out with family and I like feel good and I'm like, okay, I can chill out. Um, so it's learn I'm I've gotten to learn and, and I, I 
you know, maybe you can think about this too. Like what, what sort of energy does, does certain work bring you and how can that sort of tie in to mm. other aspects, other pieces? Um, you know, there's, I imagine there's things that just inspire you, you know, awesome to oh. like make it work out so that you can utilize that inspiration. Yeah, that's super smart, man. Right. I that's I, I love that piece of advice. Thank you for that. You know, just uh, be, and that goes so beautifully with what I've been. Anyone you know, listening to too? Like, I'm yeah. curious to hear your uh, experiences with this. Definitely, listening. definitely. And you, know, you were saying the podcast thing. That's what I do too. Is I record a bunch. Yeah. You know, in a, in a couple of weeks, and then that gives me content for X amount of time. Um, it's great on paper and you know, I, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see what you think of this. So this is, and this is a pattern I had when I left my previous job and I'm finding that it's repeating here, which is increasingly mm. frustrating because you know, I'm, I'm the boss at this point and it's this kind of dread, uh, dread slash anxiety in, in the pockets when I'm not working. Right. So as I'm mm. ramping up to a uh, Monday where I've got, yeah, like four or five calls in a row, I have this like apathy uh, or uh, almost resentment sometimes about like, man, I got like, and then as soon as I get on the calls, it's all great. Right. And I'm like, I'm in the moment and such, but it's just that Mm. ramping up to it. I have this, um, yeah, I get this like uh, feeling of dread. And then of course there's some shame and guilt attached to that because I'm like, (laughs) I'm doing, I'm doing what I love. Like, why why am I, you know, and then I, Sort of, uh, you know, shooting on myself or whatnot, right? So, and that was definitely. I should, I should that was love whole, this. I should appreciate. I should love this. this. Yeah, dude. And it was right? like it was so. That was one of the main reasons I left my previous job is because in between yeah. shifts, I just had this like dread, and I'm just like, man, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, right? And now mm. it's like I, I I like it like this. Like success is loving what you do and loving how you do it. And I love what I do, which yeah. I couldn't necessarily say about the previous job. I love what I do now. I still, if I'm just to be perfectly honest, I don't love how I'm doing it. And that mm. is why I'm, that's why I'm, what I'm focusing on right now is so totally, I, I will. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I hear this, you already said multiple times, uh, how you are very much achievement oriented. Mm. Um, and I've been in that, I've been there as well. Um, still very much. And, and I, I, love that about myself that I, I can set a target and, and then go and find ways to make it happen. You know, that's a, that's a valuable skill for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the hard thing with being very achievement oriented is that you're, you struggle with the downtime Mm -hmm. where there's nothing like happening or no Mm -hmm. achievement. Um, Others sometimes known as routine, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes known as, um, you know, boredom or freedom even. Right. And interesting. It is, man. Yeah. And what, yeah, it, it's something I'm definitely working on myself too. What I find is, you know, and I, and I've been really, practicing this really putting this into practice is is recognizing when i am not being totally present mm. right so like i can before this call for example uh, 
well, I went for a walk. Before that, I I recorded a I recorded a video to send to someone about ideal clients, <laughs> and I have all these things on my to do list that I was just taking I was taking action on, and then I recognized like oh I you know I'm getting on a call with Matt soon. Let me get outside. Let me go for a walk. And I just strapped my shoes on and went outside for a walk. And I'm like, all right, I'm outside now. I'm enjoying this. You know, life is good. I I I wanted to actually think about, you know, the conversation we were gonna have mm-hmm. and like questions to ask. And then I'm like, nah, I'm just gonna show up. So I just <laughs> thought about I was like yeah. think I was texting my wife a little bit and thinking about some other stuff. And because I I I already know when I arrive. I can just turn on, like I can shift. Mm-hmm. Like I've been podcasting a while. I've been coaching people for a very long time. Like it requires very little preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I am at my best when I'm totally present. How could I be present if I'm thinking about it so much, <laughs> you know? Yeah. If I'm setting expectations or setting these like um, unrealistic goals, maybe or what I think it's how how I think it should go. Instead, it's better for me to just be present. Same thing now. Like I, I'm, I look at the time every so often. I'm like, ah, how long have you been going? (laughs) I do got to jump. I do got to jump off soon and get to my next thing. And, uh, yeah, of course. But here's the deal, Matt, when I, when I get, get off this call, like I'm going to be totally present with you until the moment we're off this call. And then I'm going to be present with another thing. Mm -hmm. This shift, this accepting of myself and also this acceptance of like the um, the fact that I am not in total control, you know? Mm-hmm. In fact, when I let go of all that, that's when things work out pretty well and it, it it helps. It it certainly helps me. It's just being the the being present part. Um, you can experiment on your own with that, and just check yourself. Like anyone listening to this, like you might notice sometimes where you're engaged with someone. Maybe you're having a conversation. Maybe you're like sitting with your kids or hanging out with your with with your friends, but you're just like texting. <laughs> you're on your mm. phone or. Mm. Or your mind is elsewhere and you're thinking about like work or you're thinking about whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that's not being present. Yeah. Okay. So what is being present? <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the, so for me, it's, it, it is the ability to stay in the moment with you as far as like i'm listening to what you're saying Mm -hmm. i'm breathing on it my mind is not wandering to whatever my next appointment is you know within reason like you say every now and then you're going to glance because generally when you and i talk uh you know the time goes by very quickly you know that sort of thing (laughs) aside from that the actual just like i I am paying yeah right i'm paying attention to what you're saying i'm hearing it i'm listening to it i'm you know, mm-hmm. it's so from that side of things, like when I'm in a, you know, an interaction with somebody, um, I find it 
easier to do that. So as far as being present, I mm-hmm. would say it's that where there's just like it's tunnel vision uh, as far as what my where my attention, my body, my spirit is, and it's mm-hmm. my my interaction with you right now. What about being um, present when you're alone? That was exactly where mm-hmm. I was going to go with that. And what I do, dude, is like so I have this pattern of. And again, we talked about this thing at the very beginning, control or perceived control. So I think that if I'm constantly looking at my schedule and going, okay, I got this and this and this, uh, that that's going to give me, satiate this feeling and put me at ease so I can enjoy my time Mm -hmm. alone. And in fact, I'm finding that it's doing quite the opposite. I start overanalyzing my schedule, projecting myself into the future, going, and then I could feel my energy literally drain as I'm holding my phone, looking at these five calls that I have tomorrow and the next day. And then all these, like you say, I, I think there's a degree of expectation I put on them. Um, if, if, if for no other expectation than energetically, and then that's why it just like starts mm-hmm. drooping me. There's a degree of dread, right? So yeah, it's funny. I've been, I have been thinking about this in the last week or so. Is it worth it for me? Cause there's so much automated right now with Calendly and such, mm-hmm. um, just, just uh, maybe even take off the calendar app altogether. Mm. Pra- practice that, doing something very drastic as far as like a, uh, um, you know, pattern disruption. You know, something I actually did recently, like, you know, when someone books a Calendly call, you get a, yeah. a notification, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had it set up where I get a, I either get a text message or something like that, like, oh, so and so booked a call. Um, I took all of that off interesting so i don't even okay. get notified only only if it's uh only for a sales call mm. um, because then i have a like i have a process i like to um follow um yeah otherwise like i don't know who's on my schedule until i look at it the night before interesting i like that okay um, cool. or, or sometimes i'll look at the calendar is still there and it'll tell me like this is next this is on your schedule so I'm, yeah. i actually sort of re- relinquish a lot of the control there yeah um and i find that again it's just removing the expectations that i would set yeah. for myself and okay the pressure and mm-hmm. Sometimes I like to just be told what to do, you know, like, yeah, just be here, just be here. When you have too much, it's like the, I was writing about this recently, the titled the curse of ultimate freedom. (laughs) Right. Um, I like that. When I first like went, like, you know, I left my gym last year and I had, I left this, um, very structured and rigid, consistent schedule to now mm. having so much freedom. Again, talked about compensation. I, I mm. went totally the opposite direction and had nothing on my schedule. And that's filled with like a lot of boredom and stress and not knowing what to do. And you have so mm. much control over your time that it causes you so much anxiety, you know? Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's, you know, little things. I like the notification thing though. Like, I don't need to know right away, honestly, when right one books a call. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's a smart way to do it. Were you doing it for similar? It sounds like similar reasons. Like you would, like you said, you'd, you'd, you get in your head about it a bit or like you said, or just, you know, the mind be like, Oh, that person. Okay. What are we going to talk about? And before you know it, you're out of the present moment, your future casting. Yeah. Like anything, anything that comes in, that's, that's not, 
what you're working on right now is a distraction, you know, it's a pattern interruption. So if I'm like, if I'm focused on something, if I'm doing work, or even if I'm spending time with my son or something like that, Mm. and habitually I look at notifications on this thing. Yeah. um, Even though I have it on like, do not disturb. I still open up and like, look, um, that brings in like, more information that I just don't need right now. Yeah. Like I can, I know that I can handle that later. Totally. Right. It's a a way of setting a boundary too, like setting a a boundary around your attention. Ooh, Um, I like that. Something I I definitely need as someone with a diagnosed ADHD, like (laughs) get me more attention. I need more of that. Right. Uh, Yeah. That's, that's great, man. That uh, yeah. I'm going to try that out. I like that a lot. <laughs> what uh, what else do you got going on, man? What what's next for you? What's happening right now that uh that you're working on? Yeah, so uh, a friend of mine, it's actually Chase's uh, sister, Caitlin, is working on a book, uh, yeah. and so I'm doing the soundtrack for her book, which I thought was a pretty interesting concept. So it's um working on that right now. Basically, it's like meditation music that you would uh, listen to or sorry, listen to while you're reading the book. Uh, so each one is sort of associates with whatever the theme of the chapter is. And then it can be a standalone album as far as meditation and such as well. So we got that coming up. Um, I just released my first guided breathwork album. Um, and that, was, that came out a couple of weeks back. It's actually my proudest musical accomplishment because it brings together all the elements of just my sound therapy. I have a few of my songs from my band from back in the day that just felt very uh, appropriate to put in there. And then also some guided breath work and like meditation. So it's like elements of everything just brought together into this one album. So that just came out as well. So from mu- musically, uh, Where can it's people cool. Find that? that sounds really cool. Yeah. Thanks dude. So it's uh Matt W Gardner dot so I had to do W there's another Matt Gardner out there, another Matt G uh, great. He's a South African uh, singer songwriter. So he's all right. So I had to do the, the middle initial to differentiate. So Matt W Gardner uh, dot bandcamp.com. Cool. Yeah. I'll link that in the notes for this. That sounds cool. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. Check that out. Yeah. And you know, aside from that, just got back from Sedona. I know you're asking what's on the, the docket, but that's fresh in my mm-hmm. mind. Just uh, was at a Kyle cease event which was amazing. Uh, first time down in Sedona as well. Beautiful spot. Um, so that was that. And the other than that, man, just uh, really working hard on, on uh, being able to help as, you know, as many people are ready to be helped that are, are uh, looking to change their relationship with alcohol and, and uh, just keeping it real, man. <laughs> keeping it real right on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, dude. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time today. Yeah. Thank um, you, Matt. Yeah, this is, I'm doing, I'm saying this at, at the end of every episode because it just like clicks for me. It helps me to like stay consistent. An episode a day for 30 days is what I'm wor- working on. Hell yeah. Um, and, and it's funny because I, I recorded a solo episode yesterday and shared how it doesn't even matter. Like I, I legitimately don't care um, how the episodes come out or awesome. that people listen to them. That's it's, cool, man. It's simply a matter of the consistency for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've realized that success is not an outcome or an achievement. Success is like a, a thing that's happening. 
And mm. so if I can get in a line into a certain state that I want to be in, which is consistent effort and communication with people that are awesome, that's, that's success for me. Um, I love it. And with that, man, stuff, people are listening to this show and I'm getting great feedback. So anyone that is listening to this, um, please feel free to leave us a review. Um, five stars is like the best possible way to do that. Um, or send me a message and just let me know what you took away from this conversation. Thank you so much. Appreciate y'all.